Hey, everybody, this is Jim Malak, and you are listening to Pot of Fame. Before we cue the intro music, uh, we're going to do something at the top here, and I'll explain why. So I finished recording this week's episode uh, Saturday afternoon, and I go to make lunch, and I come and sit down, and I'm eating lunch, and then Tom Brady decides to retire right after we finished. So I have to talk about Tom Brady today. Uh, we, we talk about Ben Rausberger's retirement later on this episode, but that almost seems silly to dedicate time there when the greatest football player in NFL history um, retired over the weekend. So we're going to talk about that at the top here, and then we will get into the rest of today's podcast. So Tom Brady retires, uh, finally, at the age of 44, coming off one of his best seasons of his career. It's it's really, it's really wild to think of Tom Brady's career arc, right? He starts, I was actually talking about, about this to someone the other day. He starts his career, and if you can believe it, and my younger listeners might not be able to, but when he starts his career in New England, and again, he's a six-round draft pick out of Michigan, all that stuff. Even after he wins the first couple Super Bowls, we, we talk about Brady like this guy, um, He's a game manager. He'll never, you know, he's great at managing the game. He's a winner, but, um, you know, he's never going to put up the crazy numbers. He's never going to be that guy. He'll maybe make some Pro Bowls. Like that was honestly the initial conversation early on, even after some of the early success. This guy is just a very good game manager. We all know that's not uh, how we're ending up here. Retiring at the age of 44, leading the league in completions, attempts, passing yards, touchdown passes at the age of 44. I, I don't want to do hyperbole right now. And who knows, maybe in my lifetime, someone will come along and, and beat Tom Brady's records or win more Super Bowls or win more Super Bowl MVPs. But I, honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put money on that because the career Tom Brady did for the length he did um, – the winning, the team aspect, how many players are on a football team, how much it takes to win. I don't know if anyone will get close to the career Brady had just because, again, by the age of 44, if you told me an athlete in any sport that's retired at the age of 44, I'm assuming he limped into the, you know, at the end, like even Jordan, the GOAT, the basketball GOAT, even him when he came back for the Wizards, he was way better than any 40-year-old should be at basketball, but he was no longer the best player in the game or one of the best players in the game. Tom Brady was in the MVP discussion this year. Um, I, I just, what he, what he did for how long is, is incredible. And again, you're going to, you probably read all, all weekend already about all the things he did. You know his career, but I just want to go through some of it again, just because it, we have to appreciate the career this guy had, um, you know, played in 318 career games. It was 243 and 73 for his career as a quarterback. Won seven Super Bowls, was a five-time Super Bowl MVP. He holds pretty much every passing record you can think of, passing yards, touchdowns, playoff games started, playoff passing. Every important passing record for the most part he owns. 15-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, three-time League MVP, finished runner-up for MVP three different times. 
Um, he's on the Hall of Fame All 2000s team, the Hall of Fame All 2010s team. I mean, 84,520 passing yards, 624 touchdown passes, only 203 interceptions. He led the league in passing yards four different times, set the, led the league in touchdown passes five different times, completion percentage once. I mean, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. And in my head, the greatest football player of all time. And that led me down the road of, again, we're, we're never going to talk about is, Hall, is Tom Brady a Hall of Famer? That's the silliest thing I've, it's a silly question. Is Tom Brady a first ballot Hall of Famer? That's a silly question. Honestly, the questions we should be asking is, you know, should Tom Brady have to wait until 2027 to get into the Hall of Fame? Should they let him in this coming year? Hell, they haven't elected the 2022 class yet. Should they just put him in that Hall of Fame class? It's silly for someone like this to, to wait. You, the waiting period, right, is to give us time to assess the career, to, to you know, <laughs> give us some breathing room to take a look back, take a step back and look at where they are historically. We don't need to do that for Tom Brady. We didn't need to do that a few, like, last five, six years. I, I mean, he's 100%. They don't need to give a speech. They can pass over him. They don't need to announce his name. They just... There's one spot going to Tom Brady in 2027 and the rest of the spots are among everyone else. And you will hear me, spoiler alert, when we talk about Ben Roethlisberger, I say he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer because Tom Brady will now be on the ballot with him unless Tom Brady comes out of retirement, which who knows if he pulls off an MJ here, I could see it. The guy's that kind of locked in driven, who knows? But let's say he stays retired. I mean, he is 44 years old. If he's in, the, he's in the 2027 class, ben, Big Ben might not get in. It's rare that they elect two players at the same position in the class because they like, you know, there's a lot of positions in football. They want kind of diversity in terms of who, what positions they're putting in. So Ben have to, might have to wait a year now because of Tom retiring. Tom really still, you know, Ben had a few days of like, oh, Big Ben retired. Now we're talking about Tom Brady for the next several weeks to months. I mean, the greatest football player of all time just retired. And I keep saying greatest football player of all time. And you'd be being like, what about Jerry Rice? I just, individual achievement in the regular season, he did it, owns all the records. Playoffs, he did it, owns all the records. I used to think of Joe Montana as the Rushmore quarterback. He had four Super Bowls. Um, the guys, I mean, Tom Brady has five Super Bowl MVPs. I just, he never let up. He was always after, you know, he got out of those early years as, as quote, unquote, a game manager. One of the best quarterbacks every single year for 20. I mean, he played 22 seasons. Last two decades, one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the league. And there was some all-time greats playing with him. You know, Payne Manning played during this era. Drew Brees playing during this era. I mean, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, all these great quarterbacks. Tom Brady never, never was not a top five guy at any point, no matter how old he got, no matter how much new talent got in the league, no matter how many wide receivers the New England Patriots failed at drafting for him in the draft. They, they could never get a wide, no matter how, I mean, he had Gronk, of course, all those years. That's great. He had Randy Moss for a minute, but for a majority of his career, and again, when he went to 
Tampa Bay had a number of weapons, which is why he could win the Super Bowl in his first year. But a lot of the time, this guy didn't have all the weapons. He didn't have everything he needed, but he always won. He always won. Winning is everything, and he always won. Um, so before we get to the episode, before we get to our fun music and everything I have to cover today, one quick thing. I keep calling him the GOAT. I think he's the GOAT. But then I get into, of course, you know me, Rushmore, right? So Tom Brady is on Rushmore. There is no debating if he should be on Rushmore. You can debate if he's the GOAT. He's on Rushmore no matter what. But on my personal Rushmore, it's Brady and it's Rice. I think they're the one-two for me. Um, and then personally, I want to throw Walter Payne on here. I'm a Chicago guy. I think he's the best running back of all time. Nothing against Jim Brown. I just, Walter to me is the best running back of all time. But I want to do, you know, it's offense, defense. I, I feel like there should be two defenders on here, even though we gravitate to offense. I feel like it's right to have two offensive players, two defensive. So I go Tom Brady, Jerry Rice. I go Reggie White and I go Lawrence Taylor. That's my Rushmore with Walter Payne, Jim Brown, just looking on that to get on there. But Tom Brady is established there. And one more point I want to make. I joked earlier, right? Like we should really be asking ourselves, should they just waive the wait time and get Tom Brady in immediately? You know, they did that for Wayne Gretzky. When Wayne Gretzky retired, they put him immediately in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Roberto Clemente, if you can remember, when he passed away while he, again, he was still active, um, he passed away um, going to uh, give earthquake relief um, in a plane crash. And they did not make Roberto Clemente wait. They let him in um, that next coming year. So uh, that's different circumstances, obviously. Uh, Wayne Gretzky, though, that was, you know, they let him in before the waiting period. I don't believe, I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, let me know. I don't believe they've ever done that football. They didn't do it for Michael Jordan. So I doubt they're going to do it for Tom Brady. Different sports, but still same level of players. But I'm sure he waits. Uh, I'm sure he'll take over that whole class and that will be the talk. So whoever gets in in 2027 with him, uh, be prepared to be overshadowed. That will be all of New England crashing in on Ken, along with some Tampa Bay Bucks fans who he gave two great years to. So that's my Tom Brady spiel. Um, you're probably already tired of all the content you've received over the last 48 hours for that, but I had to say something. This is a Hall of Fame podcast. Tom Brady is Again, I think the best football player that's ever lived. So I want to give my quick thoughts at the top here. I can't believe the timing of it, but I'm glad I could, you know, scoot it, you know, get it into this episode. But that's the Tom Brady stuff. Um, we will cue the music now and, uh, you know, I'll tell you all about what else we're going to talk about today. But this is by far, I think, the biggest news of the moment. Uh, sorry, Baseball Hall of Fame, even Shadow, you know, we got the 2020 two class in. We're going to talk about that at the top here, but that even overshadows that. So Tom Brady, again, first ballot, of course, but should we waive the, should we waive the um, waiting time? I guarantee that's what all the sports shows are going to be talking about today. So be prepared for that. Tom Brady, the GOAT, retired, saw the whole career, um, didn't really like you for most of your career to be 100% honest, but goddamn, do I respect what you did on the football field? If the Chicago Bears can ever have a quarterback doing, honestly, I, I'm looking right now at everything I just said, seven Super Bowls, right? 
five Super Bowl MVPs, three MVPs. If I can get a quarterback that's going to have like one quarter of this career, a quarter of what he did, I will be very, very, very happy. I'll be very happy. So um, let's cue the intro music. Uh, thanks for sticking with me here at the top here. So cue the intro music. This is the NBA on NBC. What is up, everybody? This is Jim Mylock, and you're listening to Pot of Fame, the podcast where we break down the careers of former athletes and decide whether or not you should get a call to the hall. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about a a few different things across three different sports. I haven't done that in a while that we do. I originally... I originally was going to release, I have a Reggie Wayne episode. We haven't talked football in a while. I had a Reggie Wayne episode ready to go today. Um, Originally, I was going to have that go. However, a lot happened last week. We had, obviously, uh, last Tuesday, the Baseball Hall of Fame announced the 2022 class of who the voters were electing. Uh, Ben Ralsberger retired, who has, of course, he retires. People start talking about his Hall of Fame candidacy. And then basketball, nothing crazy happened, but I read an article about uh, top 10 defensive players of all time or just the best defensive players in NBA history that I have some thoughts on. So with all of that happening, I thought, let's cover three different sports. Um, let's wait for next week for the Reggie Wayne and for us to begin some football episodes, uh, have baseball take a back seat for a bit, just because I've been doing a lot of baseball episodes the last few weeks. So today I'm going to go through again. Baseball, football, basketball, a different topic for each of them. And then next week, we will have the Reggie Wayne episode that was actually supposed to run today. So first things first, let's go to baseball. All right. So last Tuesday, um, after months of following the trackers on you know Twitter and online of you know who's going to be in the Hall of Fame and who's not, uh, the results were finally released. Um, and David Ortiz, big poppy is the only member of the 2022 hall of fame class that was elected by the voters. Of course, the veterans committees, there's a number of other players going in with big poppy, but big poppy is the only one. Uh, so Barry Bonds and Clemens, as well as Sammy Sosa and Kurt Schilling all on their 10th and final year of eligibility did not get in. And David Ortiz just barely got in on his very first year on the bout with 77.9% of the vote. Before we get to the the players that didn't get in, the players that fell off, all that good stuff, just a little shout out to Big Poppy because I never did a uh, David Ortiz episode. I'm completely good with Big Poppy in the Hall of Fame, um, as well as the first ballot Hall of Famer. I thought he would get in this year. He's just a beloved player uh, from Boston who, honestly, in the 21st century, Probably the biggest moments I'm trying to think through. I would say the biggest moments in the MLB of the 21st century, just because again, Boston winning those world series, especially that first one, him playing a major factor in, and just him being an absolute presence. One of the better postseason hitters in MLB history. Um, I think he deserves to be in, even though he was a DH most of his career. Um, people hold that against him. Of course, with steroids and we'll get to this in a bit with Barry Bonds and Clemens and all that. He never tested positive, but he did show up on that 
survey or that report that was that was never supposed to go public, but it got leaked. Um, I believe it was in 2003 or four. His name was on there. However, like Manford came out and was like, you know, that report there, 10% of those names could be false positive. We don't even know what over the counter stuff could have showed up. In there. So he's pretty much just the commissioner of baseball is pretty much, Hey, don't look too far into the report. So if you don't look too far into that report and you figure he never tested positive during his entire career, even though testing was pretty much around his entire career, you might look at him differently than other players. I will get to that when I talk to Bonds and Cummins, but I didn't hold that against him uh, that much. He never tested positive. That's good enough for me. The hitting's there. And again, I mean, 541 career home runs, just under 1,800 career RBIs, um, 141 career OPS plus. But what really does it down to me is like what he did in the playoffs. His playoff numbers are off the charts. Again, one of the better players of all time in the playoffs. In three World Series with Boston, he batted 455 in the playoffs across three World Series, three home runs, 14 RBIs. With players over 50 appearances, plate appearances in, in the World Series in history, he has the first highest on base percentage, the first highest OPS, and the second highest slugging percentage of all time of any player that's had at least 50 plate appearances in the World Series. He did it on the largest stage for the Boston Red Sox. I, I was... I thought about it more, and it's not as crazy as when I first thought about it. I, I did a lot of polling on Twitter, right? On David Ortiz, like, you know, Red Sox Rushmore and, and best hitter in Red Sox history. And the amount of love, like David Ortiz by a lot of Boston Red Sox fans on Twitter. I don't know too many personally. I'm not, I'm in Chicago. I'm not out East, but from the Boston Red Sox fans that have, you know, slid like, commented on posts I've had about Ortiz, about Red Sox. A lot of people say he's the most important Red Sox in, you know, history of the team. A very colorful history, obviously, with people like Ted Williams, Carl Ustremski. I did a lot better on that pronunciation than I thought I would, Carl. I'll, I'll keep that, Carl, there. But Pedro Martinez, think of all the great, all-time great Red Sox. A lot of people are saying David Ortiz, most important, Red Sox player in history, Bill Simmons, huge Red Sox fan, of course, said a Boston Rushmore, you're putting David Ortiz on that Rushmore, not Ted Williams, because of the postseason success. So all of that, if you're saying, again, probably not the best player in Red Sox history, but the most important figure in Red Sox history, a storied history, if you're saying that he's even in the conversation for that, the guy should be a Hall of Famer. So congratulations, Big Poppy. He is in. He will be in Cooperstown this summer for the induction ceremony. Awesome. Good for him. But now let's talk about who dinked it in. So Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, and Kurt Schilling dropped off the, the ballot. This is their 10th and final year to get in. They will now have to be Veterans Committee to get in. Barry Bonds, Clemens, Sosa, all tied to steroids, of course. Kurt Schilling, you know, just an asshole. Uh, that's why he's not getting in. I mean, he he told the voters not to vote for him this year. They really took that to heart. I believe he belongs in the Hall of Fame. His career is a Hall of Fame career. He did not do himself any favors since retirement, though. We're not going to talk about Schilling here. I have a whole podcast at Schilling with Hall of Fame voter um, Steve Gardner. If you want to listen to that, go 
check that out. But I'm not going to get into the shilling discussion here. But Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Sosa, I just did one with uh, Kaplan. If you want to listen to Sosa episode, go listen to that. But Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Did an episode on Bonds, didn't do it on Clemens. Bonds finishes in his 10th and final year, 66% of the vote. Again, you need 75%. Clemens had three less votes, 65.2% of the vote. Both of them not in now. To me, I think Bonds, Clemens, and Sosa, and Schilling, I think all four of them should be in the Hall of Fame, but Bonds and Clemens especially. These are, I mean, Barry Bonds is a top four, top three hitter in MLB history. Roger Clemens is a top five pitcher in MLB history. These are some of the best players in history of the game, and they are not in Cooperstown. And it just, the steroid cloud, obviously, we're not going to do the whole steroid debate right now. If you listen to my episodes, you know my view here. On players that, well, first of all, Barry Bonds and Clemens were Hall of Famers before that, but before they even maybe took steroids. I think they probably both did, but before they both took steroids, Barry Bonds had already won, I think, three of MVPs already, won four after. Clemens had won a number of Cy Youngs before. They allegedly started maybe taking them. But here's where, where I kind of get around here. Before MOB instituted actually testing in 2004, it was the Wild West. A ton of hitters were doing it. A ton of pitchers were doing it. A lot of players in the, there's numbers of how many people are, a lot of people were doing it. So the players that were really good got better. And then players that were maybe not as good got a little bit. A lot of people were doing it. Let's just put it that way. But Barry Bonds and Clemens and Sosa never tested positive. They never showed up testing positive. And when it was enforced in 2004, you know, they never tested positive after that. They never have a positive test against them. Same with David Ortiz, right? He showed up on that one report, but never from the testing that was happening. I hold them separately than people like Manny Ramirez, who tested positive and was suspended by MOB. And he, you know, he's getting right now in his sixth year on the ballot this year, he got 28.9% of the vote. Alex Rodriguez, first year on the ballot this year, 34.3% of the vote. He tested positive, suspended. I hold those people after that 2004 testings established, hey, we're testing, don't do this. After 2004, if you test positive, I hold that against you. Before that, I don't. So, so that is, again, I know people disagree with me on that. Trust me, I hear the comments of Barry Bonds. That's, that's fine. That's fine you think that. I'm just telling you my point of view here. After 2004, if you're testing positive, I'm going to hold that against you. Before, though, when so many people are doing it, the MLB is pretty much turning a blind eye to it. It's like, hey, it's helping the ratings. Everyone's interested in baseball again. We're going to be okay. Like, I just I hold in separate, separate categories here. That's how I look at it. Fair or not fair, that is my lens. Um, a lot of voters I've talked to have similar views on that. Now, there's some that won't vote for any of them. That's fair. We know that's why they're not in the Hall of Fame today. But I look at it through that lens. That's how I feel. And then also, it's funny, like Barry Bonds and Clemens have been on the ballot. This is their 10th year. Now that they're off the ballot, this is the year where everyone seems super outraged. Like, how are we not going to have a Hall of Fame with them not in it? Like, where was all of this last 10 years? Like, I didn't hear as much. Now everyone's like, how can we have 
a Cooperstown without those. It is silly. You can't have a museum dedicated to the history of the game and not have Barry Bonds and Clemens. So this is different, but Bonds and Clemens are legit, like two of the top 10 players, uh, pitchers, batters, whatever, two of the top 10 to 15 players of all time in Major League Baseball history. Them not being in the museum is is weird. Um, Their future is now up to the committees. The, you know, the, that's how a lot of people got a uh, mini Minoso is going in finally this year. That's from the, the veterans committees that vote Barry Bonds and Clemens and, and Sosa and Schilling will all be actually up for reelection again by the veterans committees this coming winter, 2022. So they're going to be right back on, but I don't, again, it's former players and managers that vote. There's a lot of former players. that are very anti-steroid guys. They, and that's again, that's fine. I have my views. Other people have their views. You don't have to let me know your views are different. I get it. That's why they're not in today. But they could get in soon. I think they all get in in my lifetime. I'm 32. I think they all get in my lifetime. Honestly, I think they all get in within the next 10 to 15 years. Maybe not Sosa. But I think Bonds and um, Clemens, because it seems like the younger voters are much more forgiving to those players than the older voters. So that's the Barry Bonds, Clemens, Sosa, Schilling kind of part of it. The other only other part is like, you know, who fell off this year? We know you have to get at least 5% of the vote to stay on the ballot. Who didn't make it? Joe Nathan, who we just released an episode on the other day. He got 4.3% of the vote. So he's fallen off. Again, not a Hall of Famer in my eyes, but someone I wish got another look because I think him and Billy Wagner are very comparable. Billy Wagner's better. Okay. But I think Joe Nathan is right in there with him. Tim Hudson fell off. Uh, Tim Lincecum, a two-time Cy Young winner, who I did an episode on, fell off. Ryan Howard, former MVP, fell off. Teixeira fell off. Papalaban fell off. A.J. Pruszynski fell off. Prince Fielder, Jake Peavy, Carl Crawford all fell off. Carl Crawford fell off. Um, got zero votes, actually. You know, career war, 39.1. Pretty high career war to get zero votes. Um, but I have episodes for any of you listening, like Prince Fielder did an episode on, Teixeira did an episode on, Lincecum, Hudson, Nathan. All of them are off the ballot now. You will not be hearing me talk about them for a while until maybe they're on a veterans committee. I have episodes on all those guys, so go check them out. Other, you know, big shifts, you know, Helton and um, Roland really look like they might be able to get reelected or elected next year. Um, looking ahead to next year, the 2023 ballot, only big name coming on is Carlos Beltran, who I don't think is a first ballot Hall of Famer by any means. So next year, again, Roland, people like Roland Helton could maybe jump because of that. Um, there's a great chance no one gets elected next year. If I had to guess, I would say it's just Roland. Helton could sneak up there. Andrew Jones also kind of had some momentum this year, really boost up to 41.4. Billy Wagner is hovering around 51%, but next year will be his eighth year on the ballot. So um, not that exciting of a 2023 ballot. I will have plenty of time to cover the people um, that I haven't done that have been in the ballot for a few years. Like I still haven't done an episode on Andy Pettit. I'll do an episode on him. Everyone else I've pretty much covered. So there's some players like Jared Weavers on the ballot next year. I'll probably do an episode on him. I'll find some fun people to just look at their careers again. But next year's ballot, there's no big poppy, I guess, coming on. No A-Rod coming on. No huge names like that. 
Uh, biggest one is Carlos Beltran. So uh, next year's ballot, not very exciting. But with all those steroids guys dropping off, it at least at least we're not talking about those guys as much. Now it's really just A-Rod and Manny that we're talking about with that, I guess, dark cloud hovering over them. We'll be able to give some of these other players maybe a closer look, maybe a Bobby Abreu can kind of you know boost up because he dropped all the way down to 8.6% this year. So those are my kind of quick thoughts on the Baseball Hall of Fame. Again, we've been doing a ton of baseball episodes the last couple of months. I hope you've enjoyed them. However, we will probably be shifting more into football with the football um, Hall of Fame voting right around the corner here, as well as start talk basketball because that will be coming up as well. We will definitely circle back to baseball in a few months and do some episodes, um, of course, before the season starts. But we have been doing a ton of them lately. I know we have a lot of listeners that like my football episodes better, the basketball ones better. But don't worry if you're a baseball fan and you come on here only to listen to baseball episodes. Baseball is my favorite Hall of Fame. I always say that. So we will always be talking about baseball. But just know you might see a little more football, basketball episodes coming up in the next few months. So the baseball recap out of the way, let's head over and talk a little bit about football. So football news right now, we have the Hall of Fame voting actually happening. Um, So today is January 31st uh, in February. So starting tomorrow in the month of February, we will have the election of the 2022 Football Hall of Fame class. Uh, But we're not talking about that today. We will have some players that are the finalists for that class coming up soon uh, in future episodes. But what I want to talk about today is something that happened again last week. Ben Rollsberger finally retired um, from the NFL. Now, Big Ben is not going to be eligible for the Hall of Fame until the class of 2027. So we got, we're talking about him in 2026, 2027. But right now, what I want to just talk about is his career and whether or not I think he's a, a Hall of Famer, but also a first ballot Hall of Famer. Because spoiler alert, Ben, ben Rollsberger is a Hall of Famer, but will he be a first ballot Hall of Famer um, not as big of a deal, I think, in football as in baseball, maybe. But I want to talk about that a little bit. But his career, uh, played his whole career with the Steelers, which is is super rare, honestly. And probably, I don't know how many quarterbacks will play their whole career with one team. But, you know, Big Ben did do that. Fifth all-time in QB winning percentage with any QB with over 150 starts. He was 165, 81-1 in his career, 247 starts. That's so pretty big time. Um, you know, he has all the passing numbers, 418 touchdown passes, um, led the league in passing yards twice. He's fifth all time in passing yards with 64,085 yards, eighth all time in passing touchdowns with 418, uh, six time pro bowler was never an all pro first teamer though. Um, so it shows he was never maybe the best quarterback in the league was, but always right up there. But when you think of Ben, again, you think of the wins I talked about, you think of the Super Bowls. He played in three Super Bowls, one, two. And you also think of him as part of that, that class, you know, that class. It was Eli that got drafted. It was Big Ben. It was Phillip Rivers. Um, out of those guys, I saw a lot of, like, who's, who's the best out of all of those? Like, Rivers has probably the best passing numbers um, you know, Eli has the best Super Bowl performances, the two Super Bowl MVP awards. And then Big Ben's kind of a mix. You know, he won the Super Bowls like Eli, but he didn't dominate in the Super Bowls like Eli. He actually wasn't that good at all. He never won the MVP trophy. 
And I looked at his Super Bowl numbers, less impressive than I remember. The first Super Bowl was in 2005 when they won 123 passing yards, nine completions, no touchdown passes, two picks. He had a rushing touchdown, but that Super Bowl really had nothing to do with Ben. 2008, they win again against Arizona. Better performance, 256 passing yards, one touchdown, one pick. Um, didn't win the Super Bowl MVP that year. And then 2010, they lost to Green Bay. Him and Aaron Rodgers head to head, 263 passing yards, two touchdowns, two picks. So Eli, of course, dominated the Super Bowl season, had the big moments, the big drives. So Super Bowl edge goes to Eli, two Super Bowl trophies, just like Big Ben. He went two for two, Ben went two for three, but Eli has the hardware. But then when you're talking about best numbers during the post or during the regular season, I think give that edge to Phillip, but Big Ben's right behind him in that aspect. And then Eli's a bit behind them. So he's kind of the second best in both categories, but overall, I think he's the best. I would go Big Ben, Eli, Phillip Rivers. Philip Rivers fans relax. I think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer as well. I think all three of them are Hall of Famers. But if I had to do, I'd do Big Ben, and then I do Eli, and then I do Philip Rivers. But still, number one out of all those guys, all three should be in the Hall of Fame. But I think, again, Ralsberger has the postseason. He has the winning. He was always a winner. He was like better than a game manager. I don't want to say he's a game manager, but he was never. I don't know. He, he was never one of the top two, three guys in the league. I don't, he's under a Drew Brees, a Tom Brady, a Peyton Manning, those guys. I never equated with that. And nowadays, you know, the Patrick Mahomes, he was never that guy. He was just in that top five, six conversations at all times. And he also like the weird thing about Ben, like the passing yards are there. Like he had these games that you remember, like, for instance, there's 21 quarterbacks in NFL history that have passed over 500 yards in a single game. So it's pretty rare, right, in history. Um, he did it four different times in his career. And only three quarterbacks in, NFL, in, in football history have done it over um, twice. So do, do it more than once, I guess. And it's Drew Brees and Tom Brady who have done it twice. And then Rosberg did it four times, including – one playoff performance, he did it. So he did it th three times in the regular season, once in the postseason. Brady and Breeze each did it twice during their careers. Um, I don't think I'd put ben, uh, Big Ben as the guy who would have the most all time, but that's the kind of guy he was. He had these elite games, but he also had like Antonio Brown as a wide receiver many years who is, I don't want to go to Antonio Brown, but one of the better receivers of recent history but Big Ben always put up big numbers. He was it. He just, he was never the best quarterback. And again, is that fair? He was playing when Drew Brees was playing, when Tom Brady was playing, maybe not. But, you know, his peak season, again, never an AP um, first team all pro. I look at that as kind of a, a sign that he's never been one of the best guys, even not having one year means something. However, John Elway, Never had a first-team All-Pro, uh, and he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time, too. So, Big Ben, his career, you know, do I think he's a first-bout Hall of Famer in 2027? I do. Um, the numbers are there, lifetime. The playoff, you know, even though he wasn't great in the Super Bowls, he won them, and that matters. Two Super Bowls with 
you know, top 10 all time in a lot of the key categories. Big Ben, first team or first ballot Hall of Famer come 2027. Uh, one of the last interesting things I want to say before I go on to the final subject today of basketball, I, I put up uh, a poll. I, I put up a poll once about, you know, who's better, Terry Bradshaw, Ben Roethlisberger. Overwhelmingly, everyone Bradshaw. Then I did another one last week of kind of the best offensive player in, in, in Steelers history. Is it Bradshaw? Is it Franco Harris? Is it Jerome Bettis? Is it Ben Roethlisberger? Roethlisberger finished dead last. He only got 12% of the vote there. Bradshaw got the most. Jerome Bettis was right after him. Then a pretty steep drop-off to Franco Harris. And then finally, we had Big Ben. So even though his numbers, he's first all-time in like every Steelers passing, um, any passing category, Big Ben is first. But he's still in the heart of Steeler fans. Nowhere got near Bradshaw or Bettis. He's, he's beloved, but not as those guys are. So great Steeler, but in that history, we we're just talking about the great history right of the Red Sox with Big Poppy, where he kind of transcended almost the Ted Williams of the world, the, the all-time great Red Sox players of all time. Ben Rosberger didn't do that. He, he is a, a great Steeler but he never got to the, the Bradshaws or even the Jerome Bettis. I was surprised Jerome Bettis got so much love there. Um, Cause honestly, don't kill me Steelers fans. I think Jerome Bettis a little overrated. Um, he just got a ton of, uh, I'm not actually, I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to cause hate there. Jerome Bettis great hall of fame running back. I think he's a little overrated. If you actually look back at the numbers he put up, but um, all in all, Big Ben retired, great career, um, face of the Steelers for the last almost 20 years here. I think first bout Hall of Famer when he's eligible. Uh, but in terms of like where he stands of the 21st century quarterbacks, you know, it's obviously Manny, Manning, Brady at the, the very top, then a slight tick down. And then you got the, the Drew Breeses. Um, honestly, the getting a little ahead of myself, but like the Patrick Mahomeses, and then there is the Russell Wilsons, the Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger is better than Russell Wilson at the moment, but in that category, along with the Philip Rivers, the Eli Mannings, he fits right in there, which is a Hall of Fame level quarterback, but just not you know one of the the all time greats. All right. So I didn't want to leave basketball fans in the cold today. So we don't have Hall of Fame news really around basketball. That will come in a few months from now. But I did see some the other day that I want to talk about. So quickly, let's talk about basketball. All right. So basketball news today is just about something, um, something I read in The Athletic the other day. So I, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I post – uh, a lot of athletic articles, because I think it's one of the best places to get sports um, related news. I mean, the athletic, the ringer, it, those are by far the top two places I get my content. But the athletic, um, there's an article by John Hollinger the other day, and he he was talking about like the best defenders in, in basketball history. And he was going through all the decades and who is good when that's great. And then he made the mistake and he calls it out. 
but he still did it. I love when people do it. They're like, I shouldn't do this. It's an impossible task, but then they do it. Of who are the top 25 defenders of all time? And I looked at the list and especially the top 10, I looked at it and I was like, what the hell, what the hell is this list? So let me just do the top 10. Um, and then we're going to talk about a little bit. So number one on his list was Bill Russell. Then we had Akeem Olajuwon coming in at number two, Tim Duncan at three, KG, Kevin Garnett at four, Rudy Gobert at five. That's where I was like, what, what the hell am I reading? But I'll go back to that. Scotty Pippen at six, Draymond Green at seven, David Robinson at eight, Ben Wallace at nine, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at 10. Okay. And then there was 15 more. So I looked at the list in the Rudy Gobert thing popped out of me. I was like, Rudy Gobert is not the top, the number five defender in, in basketball history. I, then I thought I had problems with the whole list. Um, I came back to it though, a little later in the day after thinking about it for a bit. And actually I don't think he did that bad of a job here. First of all, this is an impossible task. I've never thought about how hard this would be to do, but it isn't impossible as the top 10 defenders of all time. It's super hard to do because how many things can you rely on for defense? I mean, you could rely on stuff like block shots and steals, but it doesn't tell the whole story. They also didn't start tracking that until 74. So there's a lot of players where like Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain, I've seen things where they're like, we went back on film and Wilt Chamberlain had 24 blocks in this game. I was like, okay, well, I, I don't know what the hell to do about that. I mean, one, he might've, but two, like some of the centers were like six foot seven white guys who had like an 18 inch vert. So I don't, I don't know what that means. Um, but I think they're still great defenders. And Bill Russell, even the, the, the defensive metrics, which by no means are perfect, they really do slant still to people like Bill Russell, to like people like that. So very hard from a statistical standpoint to rate defenders, but that can help. Defensive player of the years can help as well. But again, that was only around the 80s. All defensive teams, that can help. Um, but really, it's, it's a lot of... it's. It's, it's a lot of eye tests too, right? Like people that saw them play, um, they just, you could kind of see like he was helping them weeks ID or they prevented that. It's, a, it's very hard to, to judge. So this list out of any list, I think is maybe the toughest. So when I really thought I was like, okay, I got to give him like, that's fair. It's hard to do this. He chose to do this, but how would I do the list? And honestly, when I went back, I didn't shift too much. Um, Rudy Gobert, I got out of here because I just, he has the defensive player of the year awards. That's great. He has block shot numbers. That's fine. But I also know come playoff time, sometimes they have to sit Rudy Gobert because he literally can't stand the floor because other teams go small ball. And he's just, he's a liability on defense at times. And is, and you can't be on this list. If at any point you're a liability, like if you need a defensive stop, any of the players on this top 10 list in my head, should be on the floor no matter what lineup you're throwing out there. They got to be versatile. Hakeem Olajuwon, you could go small ball Hakeem. He could have played on the floor. You look at early Hakeem, there's a clip actually in this article. I highly recommend if you have a subscription to the Athletic, go check this out. There's young Hakeem in the 80s. He, he like switches on to like every player on the court on one possession, then comes like flying across the court to block a shot on the weak side It's the craziest clip. Like young Hakeem could go anywhere. David Robinson, athletic enough to go anywhere. Ben Wallace could go anywhere. Tim Duncan, KG, these guys, Bill Russell, all of them. They could, they could play in any air 
Um, in anything thrown at them, they could be on the floor. Rudy Gobert is not the same guy as them. Get him out of the top 10. I don't even know if he's in my top 25, to be honest. But what I'm doing is I'm taking Rudy Gobert out of that list and I'm dropping just right in the five spot, nice and clean, Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman came in at 11 on this list, so just out of the top 10. But Dennis Rodman, two defensive player of the year awards, he doesn't have the steals and blocks numbers. But if you watch, especially Pistons, Dennis Rodman, that guy was one of the first I, I think of when I think of a guy who could guard the point guard just as well as he could guard the center. He battled Shaq down low, but he could also, you know, D up Magic Johnson when he was playing on the Pistons and Magic was on the Lakers. He could D up Magic Johnson. He was strictly one from five, six foot seven, really lanky, but could guard a bigger guy, could guard Shaq, guarded and fought with Carl Malone in those Utah series for the Bulls. Dennis Rodman, one of the best defenders I've ever seen in my life. One of the most frustrating, probably, people to be up against in an offensive matchup. I know he gave Scottie Pippen and Jordan Fitz before he came to play with the Bulls. He also had that toughness factor, that kind of insanity factor that you love to see there. Um, so, so number five, Dennis Rodman, I'm okay with. The other person I was going to switch out here was Draymond Green. Um but then I actually looked at the numbers and I really thought about it. You know, he has the defensive player of the year award, always an all defensive first team kind of can guard one through five as well. Um, he grades out as the number three all time in defensive plus minus, which isn't perfect, but third all time. I can't really argue with that. I'm okay with having him in the top 10. I think I'd still have David Robinson ahead of him. So maybe swap David Robinson at eight, go to seven, Draymond Green to eight. But I'm okay with that. Other than that, the top 10 is kind of okay. So I'd go Bill Russell, Akeem Olajuwon, Tim Duncan, KG, Dennis Rodman, Scotty Pippen, David Robinson, Draymond Green, Ben Wallace, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I, I think he did a pretty damn good job. So first reaction, because of the Rudy thing, I think threw me off. But honestly, he did a good job for the impossible task that is. Now, he had some things later on the list, like he had Jason Kidd at 13, above people like Giannis, Michael Jordan, Dikembe Mutombo. I don't know if I agree with that. Gary Payton, he had at 23. I think Gary, I would pick Gary Payton to match up against someone other than Jason Kidd. But for the most part, he did okay for the task he had at hand. So that's what I want to call today. If you disagree with what I'm saying, really think about it and tell me, you know, who you're putting in your top 10. You can tweet at me. You can um, email us at potofame at gmail.com. If you have someone completely different than I'm thinking in that top 10, you're like, how could he not be in there? Tweet at us at potofame, email us at potofame, gmail.com. I'd love to hear your views because I was very interested by this ranking and it's fun to see stuff like that. Um, and again, criticizing these people or disagreeing, that's fine. But at the end of the day, thought he did a good job. So that is the podcast for today. A little baseball, a little football, a little basketball. I hope that was interesting to you. If it's not, and you're like, just give us the breakdowns of one person every week, like you promise. You know, let me know that too, because I I feel like, you know, I can see right who <laughs> listens to how many episodes. These episodes where I do more what's going on current events. 
These do pretty well in terms of how many people download. So that's what I'm basing this off of. That's why I do these. If you don't like these, again, potofame at gmail.com, Twitter at potofame. Let me know and I will stick to the player breakdowns. I will stick to that. But if I see the downloads being high for these episodes and I get a lot of positive kind of interaction on Twitter around these episodes, a lot of agreement, disagreement, all that good stuff that I'm looking for, I'm going to probably keep doing these every once in a while. So let me know if you hate them. I will stop doing them as much. Uh, but I thought with the Baseball Hall of Fame news out there, the Ben Rollsberger news out there, as well as this, I don't know, I just want to throw basketball in there. I haven't talked about basketball in a while. Um, with this top 25 defensive players all the time out there, including a lot of these Hall of Famers, I thought it was a fun thing to do today. So that's the podcast. If you don't already, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, follow us at Pot of Fame. And we will be back with the Reggie Wayne episode next Monday. Everyone, have a great week. Um, and we will see you next Monday. Take care. And the world's gonna know your name